From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're going to do some money in politics with Liz Peake, Fox News contributor and syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore, FreedomWorks, and Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline, and WABC radio host of More Money, playing after many of these same stations after this show. So, kids, welcome back. Um, I want to begin with Steve Moore. Steve, I heard you had a favorite electric bus maker named (laughs) Proterra, and I wondered if there was any truth to that. This is the modern-day Solyndra. Now, is it Joe Biden's favorite electric vehicle bus? But it sounds a lot like Solyndra, and Jennifer Granholm was a big stock owner and made out mm-hmm. a lot of money. And lo and behold, Proterra, Biden went out there to see it. It went bankrupt. Now, what's up with that? I'm crushed to see this. Yeah, I put all my 401k money into Proterra. Yes. I just thought yes. it was a can't-miss stock. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Look, there's a lot to this story. Uh, Joe Biden, I think it was about a year, year and a half ago, had a big powwow with major CEOs of companies, including the CEO of Proterra. And he said uh, to the Proterra CEO, you're making me look good. Uh, I wonder <laughs> if he could take those words back now. This is a this is a company that was uh, making electric batteries for for buses, which, by the way, just as an aside, does that make any sense? We have natural gas buses in Washington, D.C., in a lot of cities, and those emit no carbon emissions in the atmosphere. What's wrong with natural gas? Why do we have to use electric batteries? But in any case, so very predictably, and this is the start of, I think you're going to see a cascade of these failures of green energy programs, because, Larry, it is simply an instant replay of what happened in the Obama administration. The only difference between Obama and Biden and their green energy programs is that Biden's program is 10 times larger Mm -hmm. than Obama's, so we're going to see 10 times the losses. Yeah, you know, part of this story, I don't know how much money they got, but... I can tell you you the answer to that, Larry. So they got a $100 million uh, forgiveness on their PPP loan, Right. Uh, and then they also now they they were not they did not get any direct money from Biden. But once they passed the uh, what I call it, well, the green energy New Deal bill. Yeah, they were in line to get, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of subsidies. But they went bankrupt before they could get their hands on the money. Well, the other thing is, Liz Peak, um, Jennifer Granholm sold shares for one point six million uh this is back in 2021, after Joe Biden publicly touted the company and went out there. So she kind of cashed in on that. And that's a little angle that I just wanted to add to this stupid story, because it just shows you more insider trading stuff. I mean, not that Joe Biden needs any more scandals, but here's another one. And she's got to be the worst energy secretary in the history of the earth. Well, she isn't an energy secretary. She's a propagandist for uh, green energy, renewable energy programs that really aren't likely to work. I mean, to echo what Steve's saying, I keep thinking this is like a bunch of kids playing with toys and they've lost the instruction manual. So they really don't know how they fit together. And it's not going to turn out well because, in fact, they won't fit together. I mean, you're going to have people making electric 
cars and buses and whatever, and they're not going to really be able to charge them efficiently because the charging apparatus isn't in place and the trans- transition lines aren't in place to get the power to the... I mean, if you kind of back it up, Larry, there is no plan. There is no sort of long-term thinking through how our country can make this move. And, you know, I, I've written about this. I mean, communities are up in arms. They don't want wind. They don't want solar panels. It, to, to generate the kind of solar infusion into our energy grid that they're talking about, you need to cover an area about the size of Tennessee. That's not going to happen. Right. So, you know, I, the problem is this is really going to hurt people. It's going to hurt people in terms of the cost of power and electricity going up. Uh, it's already hurting people in terms of forcing them to buy more expensive appliances and stuff that don't work as well. It, it's really offensive. And, it, you know, I mean, it's one of honestly many reasons we got to get Joe Biden out of the White House. We've got to derail this absurd, presumptuous invasion into how our country accesses power. Save America, retired so, Joe Biden. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Steve. Uh, so I wanted to add two quick points to what uh, Liz was saying. Number one, um, the I, I don't know if you saw the uh, s- the story about what's happening in California, where they are basically now trying to outlaw diesel. Now, what what is diesel used for? Diesel is used for trucks. You know, it's the most efficient way, especially for long haul trucks who are tra- traveling across the country uh, with their big loads, sometimes two tons, and they're trying to you know, force trucks, these huge trucks, they have batteries. And I've talked to the trucking industry. It doesn't work. I mean, you can put a, an electric battery in a car, but in a truck with a two-ton cargo? I mean, mm. it, so this stuff is so pie in the sky, it is, it is outrageous. The second point I wanted to make is you may have seen, uh, Larry, in our hotline this week, we had an item about the fact that in several countries that have had blackouts and brownouts, like South Africa and some of the European countries, the left is applauding this and saying, hey, yeah. guess what? Through these blackouts and brownouts, we've actually reduced our carbon emissions. And are these, again, I mean, it gets to Liz's point. Are these people insane? I mean, do you, do you know what a risk it is to health and safety of the American people when the lights go out and the electricity doesn't work to hospitals and schools and uh, the grid system? I mean, it's I just I find it so uh, outrageous that these people are so consumed and obsessed with climate change. They don't recognize the real threats. Well, hang on a second. Someone consumed with climate change. Liz, both you and Steve were right. Joe Biden has echoed it. The Inflation Reduction Act. Uh-huh. I wish I hadn't called it that yeah. because it has yeah. less to do with inflation <laughs> than it has to do with providing alternatives that generate economic growth. What's he talking about? I thought it was an anti-inflation measure. Yeah. So I, I think this is maybe where the real cracks began in terms of how people regard Joe Biden. I, I actually think that you can measure this because when that bill came out and they tried to tout it as an anti-inflation measure, when uh, the CBO and other neutral organizations were saying, no, actually, this could increase inflation. I think the American public, I mean, if you look at Joe Biden's ratings on inflation, that one topic, which, by the way, according to economist polling, is still the number one issue of the day. It's, mm-hmm. in, it's just he doesn't have any approval on inflation. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just completely sunk. And one of the reasons is because of that bill. And when it came out, they're completely idiotic attempts to portray it as something that would help people save money. 
and to drive prices down. It was nothing of the sort. And again, I mean, electricity prices are up, I think, 12 or 13 percent this year. That is completely a function of the push they're making for renewable energy. And that bill basically put that push on steroids. So it was a lie. Uh, I think it really tainted this administration. There have been other big lies, but this is one of the biggest. And, you know, I mean, what a foolish thing to say, because obviously it's going to haunt him. But he's completely right. He he should never have called it that. But what, Steve, what's so interesting here is he says it's going to generate other forms of economic (laughs) growth. What is he talking about? What does that mean, other forms of economic growth? Well, it could mean the big S word, socialism, uh, you know, a more. But I think that it's more um, of a kind of industrial policy model Mm. that they believe the government can channel money to businesses and industries better than our private markets can. And remember, that was tried in the 70s by Jimmy Carter, and it was a complete failure. And you remember this, Larry, when you came in with Reagan. You know, we didn't do any more industrial policy. We cut taxes, cut regulations, and had the biggest boom in history. So uh, that act, uh, this I, that model is very scary. And even some Republicans, unfortunately, Larry, are into the industrial model idea. But I wanted to make another point. There is one way that they have cut prices, and that is on prescription drugs. Because they've imposed price controls. Hmm. But one of your colleagues, I forget whether it was Tyler Goodspeed or um, somebody from your council. Tomas he, he found, yeah, he found, I mean, this was an important, really important study that, yes, prices have come down for prescription drugs. But at what cost? Hmm. This has put a huge drag on the new investment in research and development and new drugs for cancer and heart disease and multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's. All these things are going to be delayed in terms of finding a cure because we're not making, making, allowing companies to make a profit. Mm. Well, I think the generic point here is that Biden has adopted a centrally planned. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's I, true. I think I mean, that's really I what it is. I think that's really true. If you start, I mean, what does that look like? That looks like the government taking a bigger and bigger share of GDP. And that mm-hmm. has happened. Yep. So I, and the problem is, it's happening, and at the same time, the people directing that bigger, bigger share have really no idea what they're doing. So it's like the worst of all possible worlds. If you had a really a major brainiac in charge of this who could foresee what would work and what wouldn't, that's one thing. But, you know, I'm focused on the auto industry. Our auto industry is being destroyed by these mandates and requirements that, you know, aren't going to, again, aren't going to work. I mean, now you have Ford kind of backtracking and saying, well, gosh, maybe we should redo our ambitions in terms of how much electric cars we're going to produce, you think? Because they lost, what, $4.8 billion on mm-hmm. their electric cars? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should be, and they're going to go to hybrids. What's wrong with hybrids? I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. And you, mm-hmm. and it can it can operate without the government having to fix a million problems that attach to electric purely electric vehicles. But, you know, again, there's just not much co- there's not much common sense uh, orchestrating what I think is a really dangerous um, intru- again, intrusion into our energy policies. You know, Steve, I'm going to interview uh, Donald Trump later this coming week. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk to him Wednesday. I think we'll probably play it out Thursday. I want to ask him about this because, you know, 
Bidenomics is, I mean, Newt, Newt Gingrich called it big government socialism, uh, I don't know, almost two years ago. I still mm-hmm. think that's a reasonably good uh, definition, whether we call it the centrally planned economy. You know, you guys are giving examples here uh, in the climate change and in drug price controls. I mean, that is the Democratic Party vision now, is it not? Mm-hmm. It's, it, there's nothing left of free markets. There's nothing left of private investment. It's all a bunch of Democratic interest groups huddled around climate change, huddled around uh, uh, government-run health care. That's pretty much what it is. You've got a free enterprise party and you've got a um, government uh, planning party. Yeah, well, I'm not so sure the Republicans are a free enterprise party. But, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but you're Oops. right about the fact that Democrats are, are moving in that direction. And, and you know, one of the implications of this, I mean, if you look at what's happened under Biden, uh, the truth is, uh, it's exactly the opposite of what he's saying. So pe- people who are of high incomes are doing fine in this economy. They really are. I mean, the stock market has had a blockbuster year this year. Um, you know, people, if you're making a million dollars or more, you know, six, seven, eight percent inflation is not a burden. The people, th- this isn't trickling down. That's the irony. Mm-hmm. He, he calls Reaganomics trickle down economics. Actually, their plan is trickle down economics. And the people are suffering the most. And this has to be a really important a message for the Republican candidate, whoever it might be, yes. Trump or DeSantis or whoever, that your plan is actually making the poor in this country poor. The middle class is, class is getting shafted and your rich crony friends are doing just fine. Mm. I mm-hmm. think that's right. Take a quick break. We're with Liz Peak, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, Steve Moore, Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline and host of More Money. Right after this show comes Steve's great show. I'm Cudlow. We'll be right back. Larry Kudlow on 77 WABC. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking with Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist, and Steve Moore, FreedomWorks and Committee to Unleash Prosperity Hotline. And WABC radio show, More Money. You know, kids, just um, looking at all this, you got yourself a special prosecutor now. We had the story about the $20 million uh, web, uh, all the monies coming into the Hunter Biden committees uh, and so forth and so on. And the Hunter Biden business is blowing the lid off of Joe Biden's lies that he didn't know anything but, Steve, you're running a piece in the hotline that I <laughs> wanted to just include here, because are we still thinking about growth, economic yeah. growth? I mean, after all, Bidenomics, as Liz mentioned earlier, Bidenomics is still very unpopular, okay? No, we haven't had a terrible recession yet. Yes, we've had some decline of inflation although the level of prices is significantly above where it was two and a half years ago. But what about economic growth, Steve, which should be the sine non quan of uh, government <laughs> policies? Yeah, so true. And so they, if you look at the you know horrendous forecast of where the budget is going and the debt and, and uh, government spending, um, what one thing that's not well recognized is that the Congressional Budget Office and, and the Fed are only projecting, I think, 1.6 or 1.7 percent annual growth. 
And I think it's you, Larry, who looked at the numbers of, since World War II. Uh, isn't it mm-hmm. close to 3.2 or something? for our 3.5, actually. 3, 3.5 has been the average. So we would grow half as fast over the next 30 years as we have over the last 50 years. No, no, we can't. No, we've got to generate more economic growth. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, uh, because I know you worked for John F. Kennedy, didn't you? I know you worked for Reagan and Trump, but I think you may have worked for JFK. <laughs> didn't too. quite get the but, <laughs> but, you know, JFK, people, this was an interesting election in 1960 because the economy was doing pretty well under Eisenhower, right? I mean, it was growing at 2%, 2, 2 to 2.5%, although there's been a recession. And, and JFK went around the country very famously and talked about growth, and he said, we can do better. Yeah. Remember, he, we can do better. Yeah. And that has to be, you know, look, the economy is growing, you know, at one or two percent right now. We can do much better and we have to do much better because, as we showed in our chart, if you get three to three and a half percent growth for the next 30 years, then things look a lot better, Larry. Then you don't have the debt going through the roof. So that's a precondition to getting this. And I don't hear Republicans talking enough about this. Well, that's the thing. Uh, that chart is so important. Because if you scored 3.5% growth over the next 30, 40 years, the debt-to-GDP ratio would come back down to zero, which yep. is really quite remarkable. I mean, we don't need it at zero, but it would come down to zero, yeah. at least arithmetically. And, Liz, you know, after uh, the first year in 2021, which was still the pandemic recovery year, but after that, in 2022 and the first half of 2023, the growth rate is only 1.3% at an annual rate for six quarters or 18 months. And that is very slow growth. And we're in this sort of uh, secular stagnation that Larry Summers talked about years ago. I don't think anybody's happy with that. Well, they shouldn't be happy with that because, as you guys have both pointed out, our fiscal prospects are really dark unless we grow faster than that. I was just sitting here thinking, you know, somebody who really did talk about growth was President Trump. When he ran in 2016, he talked about how cutting taxes and looser regulations could actually stimulate growth. Because don't forget, the the numbers you show uh, in one of you, I forget who, in, in a recent piece, I think it was Larry, 3.5%, that went through 2005. Because realistically, the Obama years were very slow growth period, worst right, recovery right. from a recession ever in our history. And there, there was a good reason for that. I mean, yes, we had political turmoil. Yes, there was a hangover from the Great Recession. But it was also because, you know, all that blanket of regulatory uh, changes that Obama put in place really hurt growth. I mean, remember, we used to write about green shoots coming up after the Great Recession, how they'd be squashed by some new big, you know, footprint from the government kind of squashing one industry after another. And we're doing that now. And it's interesting to me that that Republican candidates aren't really banging this drum, because that is a message I think people would be very open to. Just think about how many small business owners are crushed by ridiculous, stupid regulations that are local, that are federal, and make their lives impossible. Anyone who has tried to start up a small business is open to that message. And all Americans are open to the idea that their taxes should be less and simpler. That was even the more popular notion that Trump had. But, you know, I I think the door is open for somebody to really kind of make that case. Uh, And I'm sure President Trump will, but other Republicans should be talking about it, too. Well, that's been a big flaw, but... 
We will see how this thing plays out. I don't know. Joe Biden's in a heap of trouble on the economy. He's in a heap of trouble on the sun scandals. He's just in a heap of trouble. Liz Pete, thank you ever so much. Steve Moore, thanks ever so much. Steve Moore's great show coming up right after this one on many of these same stations. I'm Larry Kudlow, folks. We will talk to you next weekend.